this episode of the Sports Fan Radio podcast, we complete our discussion with Cameron Schwab. Amongst other things, Cameron talks about a Tasmanian AFL side, the fight to save Richmond, and how Fitzroy would survive under today's AFL administration. Well, Cameron, on that, going here, should it be a club that relocates or should it be a club built from the ground up? No, I think it's just it's a new club. It's a new, new club. New club? Yeah. Yep. It's a new club. I don't see... Look, I, I'm, I'm quite bullish about... Look, I know that the game, like all of us, you know, unfortunately I'm, I'm helping and supporting a, a number of people who have lost their careers in the game. So we've got, we've got to be realistic here. But there is a big, there is an enormous amount of quality people who have made a choice at a very important phase of their careers to align their careers with the AFL. And that, that, whether it be coaching, memberships, doing whatever it might be. Some of them have worked in it for 10, 15, 20 years, you know, like just a lifetime, that's their career. Who are no longer working in the game, so the game's got to recover. We've got to, we've got to understand that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what that also creates a wonderful opportunity for real experienced people. If you're looking to recruit, you know, good quality people, such as say, and so. But Tassie's always got that balance. Tassie, first of all, understands mm-hmm. the game. Secondly, I think a lot of that north-south thing is is sort of evaporated over over times, and we've actually worked out that um, it's. You know, if GWS can play a bit of games out of Canberra, a bit of, you know, mate, footies, it doesn't matter. You know, you can actually right. do that. You can actually do that stuff. But I, I think it, so I'm, I know the Kangas are going through a tough phase, like a really hard phase, but geez, they've gone through some tough phases before and, and have managed to come through it. And, um, and I can assure you, no one was more broke than what Richmond was. And, and, uh, you know, Rattle those, rattle those tins. He did. It was 30 years ago this year that I wandered into Neville Crow's house, president of the club, and said, we're gone. We can't keep going. Interest rates are 17.5%. We've got about 30 former players and coaches suing us. We're no good on the footy field. We've just played in front of 7,500 against the Brisbane Bears at the MCG. <laughs> you know, like... As Basil Faulty would say, was that it? Is that all? Yeah, right. So, mate, and, and I was... <laughs> that was it. And I'm... I was 26 at the time. And poor old Neville has just given his guts for the last three years. And Valley, his wife, was sitting and she starts crying. Oh, Neville, you know, everyone's <laughs> just so overwhelmed. And we said, we have to effectively kill the club to give the chance for the club to rebuild, to give the supporters the chance. Because we knew there was just all these people out there, but we basically killed every decent relationship that we'd ever had. So, so and we gave the club this, the opportunity to. The, player, uh, the supporters to save their club. And the interesting thing was that the number most often donated in turn was, was divisible by five because that that generation of people had seen their team win by five premierships. So they gave 500 bucks, 100 bucks for every premiership I'd send the team win or, you know, 20 bucks for every premiership I'd send the team win, you know. Some play, you know, every so often someone would put a 1,000 in. Like that was a big thing. But it was there was not many big numbers. So the point I'm making with that is that don't ever, ever underestimate just how much people care about footy and their clubs. And so North Melbourne will have their day. And I'm confident that if you built something out of Tasmania, there's some, you know, there's some issues with numbers and how it actually works. But uh, we've worked with 13 team competitions and 15 team competitions. We've managed to work it so far. And I, I think it would just be such a lift and such a pillar. And, and I think also... You know, Tassie's just done it really well. It's had a remarkable recovery in the last, you know, the last decade. And wouldn't it just be wonderful if we could uh, just catch that wave now? And well, again, a, another question on that. Should they divert the money that they're giving to GWS and Gold Coast into the Canberra system where they would probably get 
more reward for their money. Oh, they, get plenty of they get plenty of reward for their money, don't you worry about that. The, the Gold Coast GWS, I know everyone will whinge about how much it's costing, but don't worry, the, the revenue which is coming in just by having an extra two games every weekend, television, yeah. rights, everything like that, it's stadiums, it's, 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 a, it's it, yeah, the, it, the economics of it, everyone says the money going out, but mate, the AFL only ever really are. But the, the AFL takes so many of the rights away from the clubs and then they distribute the money back again. That's what it is. It's an equalised yeah. competition. And, and so everyone's, you know, every yourself and I say, oh, you know, some clubs are on the AFL. No, no, the AFL took the rights away in the first place for the clubs to, you know, capitalise on and now they give the money back out. And it, it took that only took about 110 years for that penny to drop. And now they, they do support clubs at different levels. Why? Because all clubs have got different economic models, you know, and... Mm. And so the G- money going out to GWS is getting well and truly paid back by the money coming. Cameron, one, one other question. If, if Tasmania makes such a good reason for expansion, why, why is the AFL at the moment just seems to be digging its heels in? I, and I say that because there's been a push for many, many years for a Tasmanian team. Yeah. And, and every time it comes up, the AFL finds a reason or reasons not to do it, whereas yeah. when Gold Coast and GWS came up, yes, they went into that market straight away. Now, I know the financial imperatives are doing that, but yeah. it would seem... Well, that's, it would seem answer your own question. There was, there was, they, they call one, one is... Um, it, one's, a, one's a commercial argument. Yep. Uh, a pure commercial argument. And um, the, the game builds on a... The game needs to build a profit model to support the performance model, if you like. So the profit model needed, yeah, and, and don't worry, the game has benefited from expansion the whole time. It, it, everyone looks at the, everyone looks at the, um, there's all these other sports who look to the AFL and say, well, how come the AFL have been able to build a national model, whereas cycling or all these other sports still argue amongst themselves? I said, we'd be still arguing amongst ourselves if the VFL didn't take over all the others because it's really just one, the VFL took all the others over. You know, like if you talk to people in, WA or South Australia, you know, they, they they had as much love of their footy clubs as, you know, as I did of Richmond growing up. If you yeah. meet a Norwood supporter or, a, you know, even if you meet an old-fashioned West Corrin supporter or something, you know, they had their same feeling for their club as what, you know, I did as, you know, watching Francis Burke and Royce Hart as a kid. So, so this is, this is, um, so one's a different thing. They're different things. The second one is, what what is the right thing? Well, I think the right thing, if you like, and that's where, you know, uh, it gets supported. I think the right thing is to support the clubs who, you know, who have, um, you know, played the role in the way that they have, e.g. if North Melbourne are struggling or Melbourne are struggling. They are very important in the whole thing. And I reckon if the game had its time again, it would do Fitzroy very differently. There'd be still a bit, if we had the mentality and attitude that we'd have now, that Fitzroy would have survived. That, that would have found their way through. And it would have been interesting because Fitzroy would have survived it would still be a Brisbane team, and I'm not sure whether they would have been a triple premiership side, but they would have been successful given what they had come through. And we'd have a, we'd have, would have had, and maybe that then Tasmania would have become the 20th team. And it's easier than 19 in some ways, you know. Um, so I, I think there is often a, the, the moral judgment on this one is, 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 a, is a different one. And I think eventually that will win, that will win. Um, and I reckon the attitudes are evolving and changing as well. It would have been a big call to try and bring three clubs in in one go. 
you know, that was the other thing. Like it was hard. The great, the great thing about what Richmond have achieved is that they had to rebuild their list at the same time as GWS and uh, Gold Coast were coming into the competitions. That's 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 sort of the that is the real story. What they've achieved, and um, and you know, because we were trying to build at Melbourne as well, and and it was um, to have one premiership. But if you're trying to bring three clubs in, that would have been a big call. But I, I think there will be room at some stage in the mix. And there's a really good group of people who are behind it, and um, I'd be surprised if we're not in ten years' time when we're all old buggers and I've got as much hair as what Dan's got down there. And back. Are we? Um, are we like basketball is obviously um, taking the step of having a team in Tasmania? Yeah. yeah. Do we sort of see that as maybe being sort of a stepping stone to see? how that succeeds or is it totally different? No, no, I think they're all important. It's a little bit like we were talking about before that why is it that no team has really succeeded on the Gold Coast, you know, but, and does that mean it can't succeed or is it just been the situation and circumstances until that time or it might have been that they just weren't good, well-run footy clubs at the time or sporting sure. clubs at the time. So, I was just um, going to say very quickly, you can compare it, I think, to the attitude of the Storm um, where they're so focused on excellence and success, whereas often on the Gold Coast, because I know if I fly there, I relax as soon as I get on the tarmac. Um, I think in the players, there is a party-type atmosphere, yeah. whereas at the Storm, I mean, players from my Rabbitohs have gone there and said, I never knew my body could work that hard. That was quite a few years back. But it says yeah. two things. One, that we weren't working them hard enough until our premiership coach arrived, Michael Maguire, but the Storm have always been a pursuit of excellence, and that needs to be yeah. in place on the Gold Coast. And, that and, seems and even to be where they're located. Is yeah. Like, if you go, if you... If you go to that part of Melbourne, like there'd be nowhere like that in the world. You've got you've got Melbourne, Collingwood, Storm, and Victory, Rebels, and Rebels all training and being in and around. Like that's just extraordinary, really. You could literally there'd be certain days of the year you could actually walk around and you can go. I don't. I, you just do the numbers and the number of uh, athletes, and obviously other athletes training in and around the, the precinct as well, and the tennis center, all that stuff going on. Um, yeah, no, I think it is like. Yeah, it's it's a very sports very unforgiving. You don't have to be much off the pace to get beaten. And I know a lot of you have been to the MCG, but it's a pretty bloody big scoreboard which tells a story. So, so when you get beaten, you actually you don't have to tell anyone you got beaten. So it is a it, it is a uh, sport can be quite unforgiving in that sense. And and that's why you know I agree. So that's why I think the Gold Coast now are a chance. They're they're working. You know, it's going to be bit by bit by bit. But my my sense is that they're creating the type of environment that will um, enable them to at least retain. They'll lose players along the way because you always do, but at least retain uh, the core to, to remain competitive. And if you give yourself a little window, um, you know, you just hope that things fall in, you know, that it, you, know you can make the most of it when your chances are there. Cam, can I ask you just a question about Melbourne? Um, why, why would you change the captaincy from Viney to Gorn? I... Um, I don't know, really. Um, I think probably the one thing which which is, and I'm not close enough to it, so that that'd be the first first thing. So, um, when when you have a system, most clubs employ similar systems whereby they they the players decide what's important, as in. So, because I do a lot of work in leadership now, so this is this is stuff I live every day, but. So what you basically say is here is a set of um, 
philosophies, values, principles, or whatever that we think are very important in terms of in terms of success. And what we're going to do is we're going to align our behaviours as athletes, people in business, whatever it might be, to certain success. I'm sorry. Um, and then what will happen every so often is that then you say that we're going to actually ask the vote, the players to vote for the people who they think best represent all of those things. And it comes down to one person in the end. And it might have been that just Max got more votes. That's just might have been. Um, and so, you know, from that point of view, you're either serious about allowing the players to vote for their own leaders or you're actually not serious about it. And, and we, and we had a year, which at Melbourne you might remember, is when the players clearly, like not just by a small amount, and, and some people have disputed this, but it was just without doubt, voted for Jack Trengove and Jack Grimes to be people who best read it. The trouble was that they were only kids, you know? Yeah. Um, but do we actually say, oh, sorry, guys, we, we thought we were going to give you that vote. Now you're not going to have the vote anymore? You, you can't sort of do it, you know? Um, and if you're going to have a, anything which is democracy, as we've worked out in other places in this world, you don't necessarily get the outcomes you're looking for. So that's actually part of the deal. So if you're going to have your players actually vote for who they want as their leader, yeah. um, the chance, there's, there's, there's a chance that you'll end. And in my, I don't know how much you'll leave. All I know is they're well served by both people because I know both of them really well. And, um, and probably there might have been a few little lessons for Jack along the way. I don't know. Don't know. I know that he should he tries hard. And he responded. He might try harder than any other player well. I've ever seen play. Actually, I don't know. I mean, there's a guy at Richmond used to try pretty hard. Governor Duncan Calloway used to try. And another <laughs> Francis Burke used to try pretty hard, and they reckon Ron Baresi tried pretty hard. So, so, but Jack Vine is he's in that category of trying hard. I reckon. All right, Cameron. Now, just just quickly before we finish with you, um, you mentioned leadership. Um, so, how are you using all the skills and knowledge that you've built up over all those years in football. Yeah. What, what are you doing with yourself now? I don't teach anything I haven't stuffed up. That's the first thing. So, <laughs> so, um, so which you are going to do when you're a leader. So, no, I basically, uh, I, I, um, I probably teach leadership's the easiest way of thinking about it. So it's to individuals, one on, you know, as in people, CEOs, people wanting to lead, uh, coaches, a few uh, coaches, uh, I coach a number of people who I think will end up coaching AFL footy. Um, teams, leadership teams, as in how do you get a leadership team working well? Well, they, they, that's really hard. I know probably all of us have sat around buddy, teams within businesses and think, shit, we don't go very good here. <laughs> we're, we're, we're a leadership meeting, not a leadership team, you know. So, um, and organisations on the very stuff that we talk about on how do you actually align what you would like to think your organisation is to how we behave on a day-by-day basis. Yeah, so I formed a company about three or four years ago, Design CEO. But I also, I spent a couple of years, I went and studied fine art for a couple of years as well. So I did some different things since I finished. finished. Your art, your artwork is fairly impressive, Cam. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I, so I enjoy that. I studied that at Victorian College of the Arts. Then I set the business up. I've had cancer, so that's been that's been been ordinary. Um, so I've got through that, hopefully. Um, and I've had a kid change gender. So I've actually had a fair bit going on, to be honest. So um, I don't know what I would have been able to do all that stuff if I was still running around trying to be as the insular bugger that I was trying to run footy clubs for uh, all that period of time. Yeah. Yes, can I suggest that we get uh, Cam back again? If for no other reason, there's got a lot of reasons to bring him back. But on the issue of coaches, I am... Yeah. A lifelong fascination of mine, Cameron, is what makes a good coach and how important yeah. 
a good Great coach. Question. And you mentioned Lombardi before, but I'm also yeah. a Green Bay Packers oh, yeah, uh, yeah. fan. They're on track. Uh, they're going to write the pack. I just think that they get rid of coaches and they treat them not as well as they ought to. And a good coach, I think, can uh, can can yeah. do anything. And also, I'd be, yeah. you know, I'd be interested to get Cameron back to talk just about that discreet issue, uh, yeah. Professor. Could no, you no, give no. a quick take, Cameron, on um, Craig Bellamy at the Storm before you go? But he's exceptional and clearly the best coach in the NRL. Probably one of the best in the world. Yeah, and that, that was a good article yesterday. It's a good balance between they're actually scared of the bloke because he gives sprays that 110-kilogram blokes that could drop you with one punch are scared of, but yeah, yet no, they no, want to pay for it. He believes truly in his players. I think that's the balance. I, th- I think you'll probably find that the great coaches have... Um, so one of one of the one of the, the dangers that we have in when you work closely with people versus how the world sees them is often a fair bit different. So most of the coaches who I've worked with, who I've worked with Brassy, um, so so really of the, the three of the three big names, there's four big names of an era, which was really probably Brassy, Kennedy, Jeans, and Hafey. Mm-hmm. I grew up with Hafey, worked with Brassy, worked with Jeans, and got to know John Kennedy when he was chairman of the AFL Commission. And then other coaches, obviously, Neil Danaher, John Norby, Neil Baum. So there's, a, there's, there's other guys that we've got to work with. Most of them were very, very nuanced, whereas people, the world wanted to put them into one of two categories, you know. Um, and so I find that really when people say that they're successful because it's probably they're successful because that is one of 25 things they do really well. You know? And it might be their one that they do a little bit different. And, and most of the most of the good coaches I've worked with uh, are very systematic, like very systematic. And and there's a saying that we we use in. So I, I stopped thinking about sport a long time ago as team versus team, although I discuss it as team versus team. It's really system versus system. It's my system against your system, or our system against your system. And it's our system of producing players, our system of how we want to play, a system of how we coach, how we train, how we develop, how we all. There's a lot of systems going on. And most of them are all trying to look at each other's systems and copy systems from other parts of the world and all that. It's been the application of some of those, the very core things. But I'll give you an example. There's Alistair Clarkson would ring, not, not so much now, but would back in the day. He would ring me once a year and just ask me uh, uh, one double barrel question. What is the best book you've read and the best per- and most interesting person you've met in the last 12 months? And can you in- introduce them to me? Because he's a fundamentally just a learner, you know? So I would say the great coaches, if they've got anything, that's their number one thing. They're great learners. And so when you're with Bellamy, mate, he's asking more questions. When you're with Eddie Jones, he's asking you more questions than, than you're asking with him. You're almost embarrassed. Neil Danaher, the same. They're asking you a million questions all the time. Brassy was the same. And then you're about giving an answer. You want to go deeper, 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 you know. Um, and I, I find that just unbelievably curious people are the great the coaches. Just, just one final thing, uh, Professor. <laughs> if if uh, Barassi had coached Philippousis, that's the sort of coaching I'm talking about, not just team coaches. Right. I think, I, so I think Philippousis could have been the best tennis player in the world. Uh, he's coached by his old man. Uh, if Barassi or a, a Barassi type got hold of a Philip Pusis yeah. early, what, what he would have done. I just think coaches can transcend uh, their normal sport. This um, I'm, I'm just reading this at the moment, actually, Eddie Jones. Yep. Um, yeah. And well, I, I've got to say, I've got a bit on the go here. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> that's, 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 yeah, anyway. He's got one of the best lines I've seen. He's, he says, only recruit people who want to get better. And I'm thinking, how good's that? Like, that is just so, like, so simple, so whatever. I'm not sure if Philippoussis wanted to get better. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Another day, Mark. had a saying, you can't put him while God took out. in there. Imagine getting four, four speeding fines in one day under Craig Bellamy. I mean, Craig Bellamy tore strips off Cameron Munster early in his career and he wanted to get better and he could be the best player on the field tonight. Yeah. He's gone from a, a rebel... Um, troublemaker at the storm, and that doesn't you don't last at the storm. But he saw the potential in Munster, and he's yeah. possibly the yeah. best in the game, along yeah. with Jack White and Cameron Smith. So, um, yeah. Bellamy's got the best. What I did like this week is seeing the players have a laugh with Bellamy at mm. changing a car tire. I was on a plane once with Ross Lyon, and he walked yeah. through the players, and they stood like it was an, an army general. There oh, wasn't yeah. any laughing on yeah. Ross's watch. So, there just seemed to be a difference there. I do like the light, the lightheartedness that, that remains with Bellamy as opposed to being scared of the bloke, which the um, Dockers seem to be of Ross Lyon. It's interesting with Roscoe because I, I, um, I know the Freo boys well um, and pretty hard, high-stand guys, Pavlich, McFarlane, Sandy Lands, they just couldn't speak more highly of him. Yeah, okay. And, uh, and it's, it's interesting with – I heard just a – and those lovely little insights that you see from time to time um, – so is my microphone still going? Yep. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. Uh, they talk about um, Essendon and Lyon used a, a word that he talked about mechanics and dynamics. And, and that's a really nice word. So the mechanics are how we want to play, how we want to, yeah, the, sort of the, the structures and the systems, all that stuff. But if you can't win the hearts, you know, you, you won't get the performance, you know. So and, and I don't think you really know that unless you're close to it because I've seen some coaches who, who you think would never, ever really win that, but they, the players did. They've just got a different mentality towards it. I, I would think, in coming back to the, you know, what John was talking about before, the, the other thing that coaches who are really good is that their coaching is a pure expression of who they are as a person as well. They're, they're not having to create the person that, you know, that they, you know, they can actually coach in a way which is consistent with their personality, whereas I find that, and, and Francis Burke gave me that advice when I first became CEO of Richmond. Is it when, when uh, I didn't want for advice, I've got to say, like there's people just lined up, want to tell you how you should go. <laughs> and they, and he said, uh, he said something like this. He said, when I first coached, he only coached for two years. He coached a grand final and got, they got sacked at the end of his second year. And he said, when I was struggling, he said, I, often would think, what would Ron Barassi do now? And then when we were struggling, I'd think, oh, what would David Parkin do now, you know? And then when I was really struggling, he said, I'd ask myself, what would my old coach Tommy Hafey do now? And he said, the question I never asked myself nearly often enough is, what should Francis Burke do now? You know? And so he and he he said that to me, knowing that my father was a big figure in my life, I had Graham Richmond, these sorts of figures around me, was to try and lead in a way which is true to who I am. And I think that the coaches who get to coach, we're talking about the ones who move out quickly the coaches get to coach for a long time when they get to the point where they can coach that way and Bellamy certainly does um he like he's just a refreshing just he's almost knockabout isn't he in some ways when you talk to him but he's also clearly sets high standards and high expectations because and I think that's probably how he prepared as a player as well 
Um, so they, these are things, and, and, and Brassic definitely was just an extension of who he is, the most honest human you've ever met in your life, and that would be very disconcerting. Don't worry about that. You got a book there, Peter Volandis apparently inspired him when he was in New Orleans. It's Peter's Laws, not him, but the creed of the sociopathic obsessive compulsive. And he's put those <laughs> in the play because a lot of them um, don't follow rules, break them. They can see he's done that. Yeah, um, yeah. That's his book, The Sociopath. So he's capitally no, calls no, himself that. No, no, you no, might need no. a bit of that to get ahead. There's a few personalities involved in we do attract those sorts of personalities a little bit, so it's actually part of it. And look, and that's part of the reasons why the game keeps pushing along. And there's, yeah, there's some really good stuff when you listen to guys like Charlesworth talking about that. He, he talks about, he, he said, I used to mine for friction. He said, I went looking for it, you know. He said, because otherwise it appears at the time when you don't want it to appear, you know. So there was, you know, so having those sorts of uh, person, and he's very, you know, he's very into that. Well, just quickly, rule number 15, bureaucracy is a challenge to be conquered with a righteous attitude, a tolerance for stupidity, and a bulldozer when necessary. So I think we can certainly say Peter's put those rules into <laughs> yeah. place. It'll be interesting to see how this <laughs> judges it in a few years' time. Yeah. Cameron, thanks thanks for spending right. some time with us. It's been a really uh, eye-opening in some uh, ways uh, discussion. Thanks for listening to the Sports Fan Radio podcast. Our next podcast will feature former Gonzaga and NBL player Axel Dench. Yeah.